Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm joined on the podcast today by J.L., New York Times bestselling author of the new novel, House of Marion. L. is also the 2022 NAACP Image Award nominee for Outstanding Literary Work for Youth and Teens. Best-selling writer Allie Hazelwood wrote about House of Marion, the forbidden love story of my wildest dreams. House of Marion is going to delight not only fantasy readers, but romance lovers of all ages. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Well, if someone hasn't yet heard about your new novel, House of Marion, how would you describe the novel? Sure. You know, House of Marion is kind of like Game of Thrones meets Succession with tiaras and pretty dresses. <laughs> um, House of Marion follows Kel, who's been on the run from a secret society because of forbidden dark magic that she has. But when she's almost caught by an assassin hunting her, she runs to one of the training schools for proper magic. She intends to, you know, try to master her proper form of magic in order to bury her dark magic forever. But her dark magic is determined not to be snuffed out. And to make matters worse, she's falling in love with an assassin in training from a rival house. <laughs> Do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to writing this novel? Yes, actually, I do, which is kind of weird because for, <laughs> for my books, I don't always remember. But essentially, it came to me, it started with the idea of like a tiara growing out of someone's skull. <laughs> Um, which and it was kind of a visceral image, but a tiara or a diadem, as I call them in the book, is just so beautiful and sparkly. And the idea that it could grow out of your head and this idea that that might be a little painful, it just felt like this beautiful or this very cool juxtaposition of beauty and darkness. And so from there, I began to think about, you know, a central love story um, because I knew I wanted to do enemies to lovers and that sort of thing. But it really did start with that image of a tiara growing out of a skull and just this desire to capture beauty and darkness. Well, uh, can you tell us about your writing process? I mean, when you had this image of a tiara growing out of someone's head, what was your process from them? Did, did, did you continue to think about it and brainstorm and make, make notes or did you just kind of dive into the narrative? How does that work for you? You know, it really varies depending on the book. With this book, because I knew I wanted the world building and the magic to be so fleshed out and so sort of epic, um, I had to really take that idea and figure out, well, why does the tiara grow out of their head? And what other ways do we see beauty manifest in this world? On the cover, there's this gorgeous dagger with an ornate handle. And in the book, there's all of these kinds of jewels and embellishments and like all of this sort of this glamour, um, but it's attached to a blade that you plunge into your heart to bind with magic. <laughs> so I began to really create what I like to call my own Wikipedia page. Really, it's just a Google document. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all of my world building ideas. And I started with this story. It was just kind of a smattering of notes and sketches. And then I started to kind of try to figure out, well, who is the best person to tell this story? And so to do that for me, it really begins with getting to know the character's voice. And so I play around with writing a few paragraphs in the character's head. I don't know them yet. It's sort of my process of getting to know them. If you could imagine picking up the phone and dialing 
a random number and then a person says hello and you just kind of start talking to feel out who they are. That's kind of what I'm doing when I write my what I call zero draft. And so I actually did that for about 88,000 words. Um, and for those of you who are not writers, <laughs> 88,000 words is almost 300 pages. <laughs> so I, I wrote that. And then once I got to about 300 pages, just exploring the voice and the best person to tell the story, like what should their personality be like if they're entering this beautiful and dark world? What is the magic and glamour like? Once I got to about 300 pages, I just deleted it all. And I was like, okay, now I'm ready to start. Oh, wow. <laughs> deleted it? All of it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that didn't make you nervous? <laughs> no, no. Because I knew when I was writing the 88,000, I didn't know it was going to be that many words. But I knew that, like, I was exploring, you know? Well, can you... Can you go back and tell us about your original writing journey that led you to writing and getting your first novel published? Absolutely. So honestly, I had never imagined I could be an author. I was just one of those people who loved books, lived in a library as a kid, but never really understood that being a writer was like a real job. <laughs> and then one morning, I woke up with an image in my head of a girl standing over this person that was laying on a pavement, and they had been brutally murdered. And she was so confused as to why that happened. And she was so sad. And she just felt like she was powerless to stop whatever happened to this person that she cared about. And that image would not leave me alone. And I, I'm, I, at the time in my life, I was not an early riser. I am an early riser now, but then <laughs> it was not. And it was 5 a.m. And so I just was sitting there and I was thinking, what is her story? Who is she? Where is she? Who is that person to her? Is it her brother? Is it her father? Is it her boyfriend? Like, who is it? And so I decided to just start typing. And 35 days later, I had written a manuscript. Um, I had no idea what I was doing, no idea what a chapter, comp composition of a chapter even meant. Um, it, I began to meet other writers on Twitter and we would swap pages and they would give me advice on like, different craft books to read and little things like, well, when you place your, you know, periods after your dialogue tag, it goes here, like very basic things because I knew nothing <laughs> about writing, but I knew about story and because I was an avid reader. And so um, as a consumer of stories, I felt like I was able to tell a story and that one just wouldn't leave me alone. So when I finished that story, I entered a writing contest on Twitter where you kind of post a tweet about your story and, you know, it can only be about a sentence long, so many characters. And then a bunch of publishing professionals, I'm talking hundreds of agents and editors and people from places like Disney and Scholastic and Simon and & Schuster and Penguin Random House and HarperCollins, they all go to Twitter and they scroll through these tweets. And I mean, there are thousands of them. I think one year there were like 30,000 tweets. And the ones that they think sound interesting, they respond to. And so they they say something like, you know, I'd love to read this. And so I did that. My tweet went viral. And then from that, I was able to sign with a literary agent. And then my agent was able to submit my book to those editors who had expressed interest on Twitter. Do you remember what that tweet was? I, uh, <laughs> it's okay if you don't. it was like Black Panther meets Wonder Woman or something like that. <laughs> but that was the vibe. It was like very cool uh, superhero movie 
meets very cool superhero movie. <laughs> and everybody seemed to jive with that. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Well, for many years, as you're probably aware, fantasy novels tended to feature white characters written by white writers. Are you excited by the opportunity to offer a different perspective in your novels that you're writing? Very excited to be um, to be really transparent. This is a book that I the the amount of global diversity in this book is a book that I've wanted. I've hungered to read and I've hungered to write for a long time. Because the thing I love about this book is, um, and it, this is something I worked really hard on in this novel, I can't wait for readers to see even more of it because this is just book one and you get to see more of the global diversity in subsequent books. But I write books that reflect the world that we live in. And so it was important to me that for House of Marianne, because this magical order has a place for everyone, um, regardless of your, well, not everyone. <laughs> it is very exclusive. <laughs> Usually they snub the pe- people who don't have high socioeconomic status, but even historically in the, in the magical society, they did that. But in modern society times, they began to just um, create wealth for people that they wanted in their order for one reason or another. And it was really important for me to create a really cool sort of secret society that almost anyone could get into. Like if you had a skill to offer or you were particularly bright in a particular area or you were just really cunning and clever or you're just diabolical, like there is a way you can get into the secret society and serve. Maybe it's not wealth. Maybe it's not family name, though those things do play a role. And so to to pull that off in a realistic way, I just wanted to make sure that you know, anyone picking up this book could find a place to imagine themselves, including and especially marginalized readers like myself. Um, It was very, very exciting to be able to just play with all kinds of diversity. I remember thinking back on like my elementary and middle school teachers and like coaches that I had growing up and like really being able to bring the diversity of even the area that I live in, because the suburb I live in is very diverse. Um, even being able to bring that to the page through instructors and headmistresses and um, all kinds of people and to really allow the main character to have diversity, the villains to have diversity, the supporting cast to, to have divorce, diversity and not just racial diversity, socioeconomic diversity, like I mentioned, um, mm-hmm. gender diversity, all kinds of diversity um, are present in this book because that's the real world. And so I think when a book, I've just hungered for a book that captures the incredible globally diverse world we live in. And I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited that readers get to dip into it. 
did you ever find it difficult in in writing these um, diverse worlds and diverse stories only because for for so long most of the the novels as I mentioned have not been diverse uh-huh. did you ever find it tough to kind of find your own voice so to speak no honestly because the reality is like I'm a marginalized reader <laughs> and so sure, I know sure. that experience personally. And so what I, I think what I did notice is that instead of feeling a need to hold back because I worried there wasn't a place for these stories or I worried mm-hmm. that, you know, publishing doesn't typically print things like this, I just put all that out of my head. And I wrote right. the story that I wanted to read. I wrote the story, like I said, that reminded me of my diverse circle of friends. Um, I went to a college that for the South <laughs> was very diverse. <laughs> Um, and so I got to, I got to just really bring all that to the page. And I didn't, th- I did not worry about how it would be received. And I can honestly say this is the first book that I've written in my career where I just wrote it because I wanted to write it. And I didn't, I honestly didn't even know if it'd be publishable. I was just like, I want to write a romantic swoony story with very complex gray characters, um, that encompasses some really sort of a brutal commentary on power structures that doesn't pull punches, but it's fun and diverse and looks like the world I live in. And so I was just like, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I told myself, I'm going to write this book. And if it doesn't sell, then I'm done. Like, I'm just, I'm done. Because it's not worth putting in the energy to write a book that I'm not in love with. I loved my debut I loved writing the Little Mermaid prequel, and I loved writing this book. And so, uh, if there wasn't a place for my love, then I was just going to go pack my bags and do something else. But it worked out, I think. But it did. It did get published. <laughs> it did. Yes. That's wonderful. Well, what writing advice would you offer for those who are working on their own stories or novels? I think I'm on book. I mean, book six, if you count. Well, book seven technically, because there are a few that y'all haven't seen in the world yet. And I would say at this point, the biggest takeaway that I have, and I was just chatting about this with uh, Pierce Brown actually uh, last week, is like, you got to write the story you want to write. And I know that like, even with me, with my first novel, I set out to write the story I wanted to write, but I still in the back of my mind was aware of like how it might be received and what kinds of things publishing prefers. And you know, you try to get that stuff out of your head, but it's hard on your first novel because you're just trying to sort of get some space at the table. And I will honestly say that something something switches in your brain when you just decide, you know what, this is for me. Like, I'm going to write what I want to write because I love it. And I think you unlock a deeper layer of your own creativity when you allow yourself the freedom to go there. I think that's when our best books come out. Um, and so I love all my books. They're special to me and strong for the different reasons. But in this particular book, I was able to really stretch my world building muscles and my romance writing muscles and my character complexity muscles because I let myself just go there. I trusted myself and gave myself the freedom to just do what I love. And so that's my advice. It's get out of your own head and write the story you want to write. So are you working on a new novel now? So House of Marion is the beginning of a series. And so I am working on the second book in the series currently. What novels have you read recently or nonfiction books that you enjoyed and that you would recommend? 
Oh, man, I love it. So um, House of Roots and Ruin, which came out July 25th, um, is incredible. It's by Aaron Craig, and it's sort of a companion to House of Salt and Sorrows, which House of Salt and Sorrows, I think, technically is considered horror. I am a horror wimp. Um, I can't do horror and I can't do spicy food. Like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but <laughs> I can't do a hot Cheeto and I can't do a horror movie. However, I like a little bit of creepiness and House of Salt and Sorrows had the perfect mix to me of like creepiness. The world building, it was intoxicating. I was so sucked in. And so that was, that came out years ago. And then Erin announced that she was doing a companion novel to the book and I literally squealed. So House <laughs> of Ruth and Ruin is incredible. Another one that I absolutely love is by Sophie Jordan. And this one is actually a Regency romance. And I know that sometimes people don't think they're into Regency, but I dare you to read The Scandalous Ladies of London and not be sucked in. This one is so good. If you love Bridgerton, you will absolutely adore this book. And then I guess the third one, I'm looking behind me as I answer this question at my bookshelf. And I guess the third one that I'm, that I'm obsessed with currently is, like the rest of the world, is Fourth Wing. Where can people find you online if they want to learn more about you and your novels? You can find me at Instagram on Instagram, TikTok, Threads, and oh. Twitter. <laughs> um, <laughs> the handle is all the same. So it's at author, A-U-T-H-O-R-J-L-J-E-L-L-E. There are no dots or spaces or underscores. It's just all together. Again, we've been speaking to J.L., New York Times bestselling author of the new novel, House of Marion. The novel is available now, so go buy a copy. And Jay, thanks for doing this interview. Thank you. Absolutely.